Well, there is a fun video online that I like to show people. It opens in a big parking garage with two street basketball teams lined up. One team wears white, the other team wears black shirts. And you hear the announcer's voice begin, this is an awareness test. Anybody ever seen that video? Oh, man, this is a good one. Uh, so the announcer says, this is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? You're like, okay, I can be aware. I can count the passes. Suddenly you hear a voice, go! And the teams begin running around, weaving in and out of each other, passing the basketball back and forth. And you're like counting the passes for the white team. One, two, 10, 11, 12, 13. The video freezes. The announcer says, the answer is 13. Yes, I got it. I'm aware. And then the announcer says, but did you see the moonwalking bear? I'm like, what? Wait a minute. I watched the whole video. There is no moonwalking bear. Suddenly, the video rewinds. And then you watch it again from a new perspective. Emerging on the right side of the screen comes a person dressed in a ridiculous bear costume. We kind of shimmying through the action, doing the little arm wave, and yes, moonwalking. It was there the whole time. I hadn't even seen it. How did I miss that? I don't know. You look it up online, search moonwalking bear, you'll find the video. Isn't it amazing how we can miss something if we're not looking for it? Guys, we don't want to miss the Holy Spirit. We're in this series to open our eyes to the reality of who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit could be working in our lives right now. I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you're looking for a particular car, maybe you want to buy a certain car, and suddenly you see that car everywhere you drive. You ever had that crazy experience? The reason you start seeing all those cars is not because there's suddenly more of that car on the road, but it's because you have this heightened awareness. And our prayer for you is that you and I would have this heightened awareness of the presence and the reality of the Holy Spirit in our life. And, and praise God, as somebody who gets to teach on this week after week, I can tell you, God's been doing that for me. And it's kind of like when, I don't know if you know the story in the book of Genesis where Jacob wakes up from the dream. And what does he say? He says, surely God is in this place. And I knew it not. And my prayer is that we would become more and more aware of who the Holy Spirit is, how he's act so active in our Christian life. And we've learned in this series so far that when we believe in Jesus... We are born again to a living hope. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and His presence becomes this new and transforming power in our life. But the Holy is not just some force or power. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person of the Godhead, and He has come to be with us. The scripture invites us into the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So my question for you today is, are you starting to 
have a greater recognition of the Spirit's work in your life. Isn't it interesting the Bible says we can't even say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. So he has a big role to play in our lives. And today I want to show you three ways of connecting with God. Uh, Bible reading, prayer, and worship where the Holy Spirit is absolutely active. The Spirit of God is always active in our life. But I want to look at three ways of connecting to God, where when we have a heightened awareness of the activity of the Holy Spirit, like in our reading of the Bible, prayer, worship, it will dramatically increase our engagement with God. You'll be able to integrate into your life more of the righteousness, joy, and peace of the Holy Spirit. Don't miss the moonwalking bear. Come on, the Holy Spirit is active. And I'd love for us today to recognize the reality of the Holy Spirit just in the things we do all the time as Christians. Read our Bible, pray, come to worship. Guys, the Spirit of God is active right now in this room and in our hearts. Let me read some scriptures. See if you can pick up on the work of the Holy Spirit and some of these activities. 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21 Peter says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. There he is. Romans 8, 26 to 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for us, for God's people, in accordance with the will of God. God, that's, uh, that's really cool. John 4, 23 to 24. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Let's take a moment and pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for gathering us into this sanctuary. You said that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. So we invite your presence, to be working in our hearts, changing our lives. God, open our eyes to the reality of your Holy Spirit in ways that really blow us away. God, they, they're just so stunning how you work in our hearts. So pray that we would have a greater awareness of that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. So we're looking at these three ways of connecting with God. Bible, prayer, worship. Seeing how the Holy Spirit's active so that when we do those things, we would have a greater awareness of the Spirit's presence. Number one, the Holy Spirit is active in our Bible reading. And I love a, a story that Billy Graham tells. He says, some time ago there was a man who had worn out his copy of the New Testament. So he went to a book binder and it asked the binder to uh, to to bind this, this worn-out Bible with a new cover, you know, maybe like some, 
supple Moroccan goatskin leather, I don't know. And uh, he asked if the binder could emboss on the spine in some nice gold lettering the words, The New Testament. Binder agreed to take on the project. And when he had finished, he called the man to come and pick up his Bible. The man was amazed. He's like, this is amazing. The leather is so supple. and just such an incredible book. He's beautiful. Tears coming to the eye. And then the bookbinder said, ah, he immediately apologized. He's like, oh, I got to apologize. Um, I wasn't able to put the words, the New Testament on the spine because the type was going to be so small. He said, so, so I had to just put an abbreviation. And the man uh, turns the Bible, looks at the spine, and it has the letters T and T. And the guy was like, that's amazing. I love it, he exclaimed, because indeed this is God's dynamite. I kind of have to agree. There's so many things I love about the Bible. But over and over again, I'm struck at the explosive power of the word of God. It's changed my life. It changes our lives. It shows us who God is. It is God's TNT. But where does the dynamite power of the word of God from? Peter tells us in 2 Peter 1, 20 to 21, he says the Bible's power comes from the Holy Spirit. Peter says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. Where did the Bible come from? Are these just somebody's interpretation stories, somebody just made up? Is the Bible just some human invention? And Peter's saying no. He's saying scripture has power because it is real. It is authentic. After all, if there was anybody who knew about the reality of these things, it was Peter. Peter was an eyewitness of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. He had walked with Jesus. He saw him die on a cross. Three days later, he was cooking fish on a beach with Jesus. And so Peter says, just verses earlier in 2 Peter chapter 1, we'll just go back four verses here. This is what Peter says. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories. These are not just stories. When we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, Peter has had absolutely nothing to gain in this world by telling people about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but suffering, ridicule, death. Yet, he continued to give witness that Jesus is alive. Because it's true, and because the world needs to hear it. He was an eyewitness. And we could look at all the different lines of evidence for the, 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 the Bible. Uh, we could talk about the manuscript evidence. There are some 25,000 manuscripts stretching back from today all the way to the first century. We could dig into archaeology. Jesus said, the stones will cry out. With virtually every, every turn of the archaeologist's spade, they uncover more and more of the historicity and the 
accuracy of the Bible. We could get into the prophecies and how there are 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Things like where he will be born, Bethlehem, how he will die, the piercing of the nails, the casting of lots for his clothes. I mean, these stunning fulfillments are just further confirmation of the supernatural character of God's work. Especially when you consider the statistical impossibility of all of that being fulfilled in one person. Peter's saying this isn't made up. Where did the Bible come from? Verse 21. Peter says, Above all, you must understand no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For the prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the Bible was written by humans. And as you become familiar with the Bible, you realize that each Bible writer has their own style, their own personality. And yet, it says, Peter says, though human, they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And you think about how amazing this is. Our Bible is not just one book, but it's 66 books. It's written by over 40 authors, 40 plus human authors from every different walk of life. You've got shepherds, farmers, poets, musicians, scholars, kings, at least one tent maker. Those 66 Bible, uh, books of the Bible written by 40 plus authors uh, happened on three different continents, three different languages over the course of 1500 years. And yet despite all that diversity, the Bible has one unified message and it's all about the saving work of Jesus Christ. How is that even possible? Because behind all those authors of the Bible stands one author. We hold the word of God. The human authors, it says, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And all I want you to know today is that when you open the Bible, when you open up those pages and begin to read, this is a Holy Spirit-inspired book. And the Holy Spirit, when you read the Bible, he will be working on your heart, igniting your faith, connecting you to God. Right? And maybe you're going through some stuff. But God is good, and if we'll open this book, we'll hear his voice. He speaks good into our life, joy into our life, wisdom into our life, strength and righteousness. We see who he is, and we encounter his presence. So I read the Bible every day, and I hope you'll read your Bible this week. How about you? Are you reading this book? Come on, awareness test, point one. The Holy Spirit is active. In our Bible reading. Number two. The Holy Spirit is active in our prayers. This is pretty amazing as well. That the Holy Spirit is active. Anytime you pray. When you're talking to God throughout the day. Whatever it is. The Holy Spirit's going to be at work. And so many times we find ourselves going through difficulty. And we don't know what to do. And I don't know about you. But in those situations. Sometimes I, I can even be a little bit confused about what to pray or how to pray. Have you ever found yourself in that situation? It just, it's so hard, so confusing. How do I, what do I even say to God? 
usually my first response is like, God, this is hard. Would you help? Anybody first yet? Help! (laughs) And, uh, you know, cry out to God. Would you perform this miracle? Would you... Would you provide the healing? God, uh, could you bring the money to pay that bill? And you know what? I'm here to tell you today that God can do that. Our God is a miracle-working God. And I told you the story um, just how a few years ago, um, and Angie gave this testimony, how she had this painful cyst. And the doctor said that it needed to be removed with surgery we were scared Angie began praying and the more she prayed the more it shrank and turns out that's not a cyst that shrinks but it did and Angie just had a doctor's appointment this week and the doctor was like I cannot even find this thing it's so small now that's who our God is nothing is impossible for our God if you are needing a miracle today, do not stop praying. Because God can do far beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine. So go to God. Ask him for help. But in almost 30 years now of being a Christian, I've also learned another thing about God. Many times, God's greatest miracle is not how he gets us out of suffering, but how he gets us through our suffering. I'm not as excited about that as I am the first one. i got to be honest. But doesn't God allow us to go through some things? And the Bible says that um, suffering produces endurance. Endurance, character, character, hope. Hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God is being poured into our hearts through the presence of the Holy Spirit. So God allows us sometimes to go through really difficult things because God is actually going to use that in our life like the refiner's fire so that we become more and more like God. Our character grows. He strengthens us and teaches us endurance. I think so many times suffering is not a call for us as believers to have everything figured out, but it's really to trust in the one who does. And if you're there today in a situation where it's hard to understand and you feel confused by what's going on, and maybe, maybe it's even hard to know what to pray. Like, how do I even know what God's will? Should I pray that God takes it away? Should I pray he helps me get it through? Both, that's what I do, and you're just like, I don't even know what to pray, God. I'm here to tell you today that God has given you a helper. He has given you a comforter. There's one who is coming alongside of you in your Christian life, And you got to check this out. It says that he prays for us. Listen to Romans 8, 26 and 27. Here's what Paul says. He says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. When we have trouble communicating with God, the one who searches our hearts knows it full well. And it says that the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. This is the kind of praying that the Holy Spirit does in our hearts. 
for us on our behalf. The Holy Spirit isn't limited by our weakness with words. It tells us here that the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us according to the will of God. Isn't that an amazing truth, church family? Grant Osborne explains in his commentary on the book of Romans, this was just so helpful for me. He says, far from being unaware of our troubles, at that moment the Spirit is entreating or petitioning God more deeply than we ever could. Far from being an uncaring God, the Spirit is groaning along with us. Wow. The Holy Spirit right now in your life is groaning with you with prayers too deep for words. And so if you are in a situation and just want you to know that you're not praying alone, but the Holy Spirit is right there with you. The Holy Spirit is active. In our prayers. He's with you during the day. At any moment, you can reach out and say, Holy Spirit, would you show me what I need to see? Would you guide me? Would you give me your wisdom? He is a helper that comes alongside of us. The Holy Spirit is active in our prayers. And you gave me a, a great illustration this week. She'd been listening on Audible uh, to the true story of Corey Ten Boom. If you're familiar with her story, but um, Corey Ten Boom, uh, the story goes, in the dark days of World War II, her family hid Jewish people in their homes until they were betrayed and then arrested. As a result, Corey Ten Boom and her family were placed in Ravensbrück concentration camp. As she described it, it was a place of unimaginable suffering. And many died from starvation in just unbearable living conditions. During this time, Corey Ten Boom's sister, Betsy, slowly deteriorated, and Corey watched her sister die. Twelve days later, she was released from the concentration camp. After the war, Corey Ten Boom began to process and began actually speaking about her experience. She shared her story in 1947. Uh, as she was invited to speak at a church in Germany. After the service, a man approached her. He had been one of the Nazi guards at her concentration camp in Ravensbrück. And he came forward, he said he'd become a Christian. And he was asking Corey Ten Boom to forgive him for the horrible things that he had done. Corey tells the story in her book, uh, it's called Tramp for the Lord. She writes, I stood there. I, whose sins had again and again to be forgiven, I could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he, this guard, erase her slow and terrible death simply for the asking? I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. She says the man put out his hand to shake hers. He said all she could do was pray. 
She couldn't even reach out her hand. She just prayed. Jesus, help me. I, I can lift my hand. I can do that much, but you supply the feeling. As Corey put out her hand, she remembers. I felt a current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, and sprang into our joined hands. Then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, Corey cried, with all of my heart. I'd never known God's love so intensely as I did then, she wrote. I realized it was not my love. I, I didn't have the power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And in our wrestlings, in our prayers, the Holy Spirit meets us in that moment and empowers us to live out the life of faith. Holy Spirit is active in our life. He's active in our prayers. When we study God's word, he's right there speaking to us, changing our hearts one more. The Holy Spirit is active in our worship. This is amazing. Jesus says this in John 4, 23 to 24. Of course, in this passage, if you're familiar with John 4, Jesus is speaking with the Samaritan woman. Last week, we looked at John chapter 3. Jesus meets with a man named Nicodemus. You remember, he's a religious man. He's... Uh, <laughs> He's, he's spotless. He's, he's living the life according to the law. What does Jesus say? You must be born of the Holy Spirit to see the kingdom. That's John chapter 3. John chapter 4, we meet the Samaritan woman. You couldn't find a, a person more opposite than Nicodemus. Well, the Samaritan woman and Jesus are having a conversation. And uh, the Samaritan woman, to deflect, brings up this long-standing debate between Jews and Samaritans about worship. Uh, you might call it the, the original worship war. Those worship wars have been going around a long time. And uh, I love how Jesus focuses the dialogue on the most important question of all, and that is just, what is true worship? What is the worship that the Father is seeking? What's the worship that God desires? And this is how Jesus answers the question in John chapter 4. Jesus says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Do you know the Father is seeking worshipers? And Jesus says God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. I remember when I was first presented with this and I was told that to worship in spirit means that it's worship coming from my spirit. Like, like I was going to feel certain things, kind of get into it, you know, like express my passion for the Lord. And that's awesome. And I truly believe that, that worship, genuine worship engages the heart, right? It is. It flows from the heart. I love it. Jesus says this in John 15, 8, quoting Isaiah. He declares, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. 
And I pray worship here at Hope Community Church would always be genuine and from the heart. That's our banner, right? Genuineness is encouraged. Christianity is a matter of the heart. And we say all of those things. And I, but I think sometimes we think of spirit and truth as being our heart, our spirit, and our mind. And Jesus is saying, yeah, it's those things, but come on, it's so much more. Don't miss the moonwalking bear. Back to John chapter 4. Notice how in the phrase spirit and truth, the NIV capitalizes the word spirit. And that is an intentional choice that the translators made. By the way, there are not capital letters in... Well, actually, they wrote in all caps, so that's kind of like, like, why are you shouting at me? No, no, that's just how they wrote Greek. Um, but they intentionally capitalized the word spirit. Now, I don't know if your translation has that capitalized, but the translators are saying that most likely the word spirit here refers to the Holy Spirit. Now, where do they get that? Well, just like here, Jesus says we worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus will later call the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. That's John chapter 14, 15, and 16. It's all about the Holy Spirit. I think Jesus wants us to know we cannot genuinely worship God without the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to do a work in my heart so I can become a genuine worshiper of Him. It's just another way of Jesus saying like He did in John 3, we must be born again. God is spirit, and those who will worship him must worship in the Holy Spirit. It's come from his presence in our life and truth, according to the truth of who God is. Spirit is active in our worship. How might the Holy Spirit be active in our worship here at Hope Community Church? Well, it's the Holy Spirit who we sang this morning, how great is our God. He opens our eyes to see the greatness of our God. It's the Holy Spirit who makes us aware of the reality of God's presence, his majesty and his glory. It's the Holy Spirit who stirs our heart with an affection for Jesus when we reflect on the wonder of Jesus going to the cross. It's the Holy Spirit who causes us to celebrate and rejoice and give thanks because it's only the Holy Spirit who could help us begin to fathom who God is and all God has done for us. It's the Holy Spirit, we pray and we believe, who orchestrates these services and leads us as we worship God. We could not worship God but by the presence, power, and reality of the Holy Spirit. So as we wrap up this morning, this is an awareness test. Are we aware of the work of the Holy Spirit? These are things we do all the time as Christians. Read our Bible, pray, worship. But it's never just reading our Bible and, oh, I'm just going to, no, no, no. The Holy Spirit's there. He's with you. He's in all these things. Maybe you're here today and your, your life so far has been far from God and you want to begin something personal, a personal relationship with God. And maybe the Holy Spirit is even nudging you this morning to begin that relationship, to take that step towards God. The Bible says that 
All of us have sinned. We've all fallen short. And yet, God loved us so much that he didn't leave us there, far from him. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, arise from the dead, so that we could be forgiven of our sins and begin a brand new relationship with God. And the Bible just calls that eternal life. It's a relationship with God that can start today and last forever. It's not by our works, but by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And you can do that this morning. The Holy Spirit will come into your life. You'll never be the same. Jesus invites us to that. We also have a lot of Christians here in the room today. And what better way to grow your relationship with God this week? Read the Bible, pray, and worship. And let's do all those things, but whatever we do, just don't miss that moonwalking bear. As you connect with God, be aware in those moments just how actively engaged you are with the Holy Spirit of God.